Hey super friends, it's Neil and Martin here and welcome to this, the 19th edition of the Get Your Comic Con podcast. Woo! Round of applause for nearly 20. <laughs> Say hello Martin. Hello Martin. Now uh, I have to forewarn you before we get going with today's uh, today's podcast that uh, Martin's not feeling very well, are you? <laughs> he has spotty tonsils, so... Uh, might be a little bit quieter than normal and we're going to give him a week off from talking about comic books this week just so that he can he can rest his vocal cords aren't we yes now disclaimer i may be slightly grumpy so things may be a little bit more negative this week <laughs> oh so what are we going to be talking about this week i don't know i can't see the board because it's behind me so this week we're going to be talking to you about Stranger Things Season 3 because we promised that we were going to uh, pick that one up when we didn't have time to do it uh, a couple of weeks ago. We're also going to talk a little bit about The Boys Season 1 which dropped on Amazon Prime on 26th of July. Plenty of news from San Diego Comic Con to tell you about as well as the pilot of uh, Epic's new series Pennyworth which is a spin-off from Gotham. And we're going to, I've got a comic book that I'm going to tell you about. We're giving Martin a week off because he's not feeling his best. Uh, so he's not going to tell you about comic this week. He's going to come back doubly strong next time and then we're going to uh, talk a little bit about London Film and Comic Con that we went to last week now you might notice that we've not mentioned a certain swampy thing there we did say we were going to talk about episodes 8 and 9 this week but actually we're going to save it and we're going to wait till the last episode airs this week and then we're going to wrap up with episodes 8, 9 and 10 of Swamp Thing in our next podcast in two weeks time now, I always forget to say when we start doing these podcasts that I need to warn you that whenever we talk about any of these things, there is actually spoilers. So just to warn you, whilst I remember, everything that we talk about does have spoilers in it. We will warn you, hopefully, if we remember, if it's going to be something big, but just there is a general spoiler warning in effect from now. So let's start off by talking about some of the biggest news for the last couple of weeks. And of course, pretty much everything uh, that's happened since the last time we recorded came from San Diego Comic-Con that happened on the 18th to the 21st of July. First time we've not been there in a couple of years, but we are going to New York Comic-Con this year. So still very exciting. As much as I love San Diego, once you've been a few times, it kind of gets a little bit on the on the samey side, other than the awesomeness of the convention, doesn't it? It does. So uh, we got new trailers for each of the DC TV series. So we saw the first footage from the final season of Arrow, a little bit of new Flash, a bit of new Supergirl in her new costume. Uh, not really any Batwoman, because unfortunately she ended up not going. And very sadly, we didn't get to see any new Titans because of the um, unfortunate accident that happened on the set there a couple of weeks ago. But we also got a new trailer for Picard, Ooh. Uh, which I think is possibly my favorite thing that came out of the whole convention. Plenty of other things, not so much on the film side. Uh, trailers for stuff like Top Gun, which is not hugely very exciting for me personally. Um, what was the favourite thing that you saw across that weekend? Uh, for me, it would have to be Picard as well. Any particular reasons why you might have enjoyed the Picard trailer? Oh, in fact, hold that thought. Let's play the trailer for the good folks at home before we talk about it. Have you ever been a stranger to yourself? Many, many times. Nearly two decades ago, Commander Data sacrificed his life for me. These past few years, 
I really tried to belong here. But it never truly felt like home. Do you know who I am? Everything inside of me says that I'm safe with you. Admiral, I have encountered a woman. She came to me for help. If she is who I think she is, she's in serious danger. Sometimes I worry that you have forgotten who you are. We do not. You can't do it alone. You need help. You need protection. You need a crew. Be the captain they remember. She has no idea what she truly is. She's the end of all. She's the destroyer. What are you doing out here, Picard? Saving the galaxy? Engage. I don't want the game to end. I can see that, Captain. Okay, so now they've had a chance to hear it, just in case they hadn't already. Uh, what exactly maybe was it? Was it a, maybe a cameo or something that was in this trailer that maybe got you a bit excited? I just thought it was a very good trailer. Or even more excited, should I say. So there was a, there was one element that got me especially excited. So you were actually out when this, uh, when this panel happened. You were out having lunch with work people. And it happened, and I saw the trailer, and then I, I got sent the, the preview gallery from... Uh, from Amazon they sent out the stills so I had to forward it on to you just to say oh look seven of nine it was very exciting I'm not gonna lie did you scream in the restaurant no because I'm doing understand what was going on but for that oh my god moment <laughs> yeah so we got the reveal that not just uh well I say data but Brent Spiner is back as either data or B4 or could even be law or could even be a completely other new Noonian thing android that we've not seen before jerry ryan back as seven of nine and i'm going to say it's really unfortunate that i can't remember the actor's name off the top of my head but the guy that played hugh in next generation is also back oh really yeah so he was at the panel uh, but they don't show him in the trailer they said they very specifically haven't shown any footage that includes him because it would give away the design of his makeup so we've got new borgs potentially new borgs or hugh is maybe no longer borg and has followed seven of nine in becoming human Oh, maybe. I mean, when we last saw him, he was still fully Borg, wasn't he? He just had his own individual personality. So maybe he's now human, and that's why they didn't want to show him, because it's going to be part of the plot development. It was very Borg-heavy, wasn't it? Well, it is and it isn't. So you do get to see a Borg cube in that trailer, but I don't know if they were alluding to that was the ship that he was on, or whether that was he was standing kind of face-to-face -face against them. You didn't really see any Borg in the trailer. There is the scene of... Someone being experimented on that people seem to think is the Romulans experimenting on a Borg, but it's not specifically shown in that respect, so that's just a guess. They're, but their presence is felt. And you've got Seven of Nine. 
And you've got seven of nine, yes. And Hugh. And Hugh. And a cube. And a cube. And hopefully Janeway. She's not confirmed, no. But she's the Borg expert. <laughs> would that be the top of your list of things that you would like to see when Picard comes on next year? Yes. Nothing else? Um, any, anything from Voyager, really. I'd be very happy with. Well, for TNG fans, it's also confirmed that, as well as directing episodes, um, Jonathan Frakes is appearing as Riker, and Marina Sirtis is back as Troy. Very good. But other than that, we don't know too much about it. Only that it's premiering in early 2020. Oh, we think the Doctor may be coming back. Yeah, so I haven't read any interviews with him yet, but now I see that some of the headlines say that he might be back in season two, which is a good sign that apparently they think they can do more than one season to begin with. Um, So I don't quite know what the story is with that one. So yeah, early 2020 premiere. It's going to be on CBS All Access in America and for the rest of the world. It's going to not be on Netflix like Discovery. It's going to be on Amazon Prime. Interesting. Does that mean Discovery is not in the timeline? No, it doesn't mean anything. It just means it got bought by a different network internationally, I'm afraid. Oh, okay. (laughs) Why do you want Discovery to not be in the timeline? Well, we've we've not had a Star Trek series that continues the timeline yet. We've had lots of Star Trek that fiddles around with the timeline, but nothing to continue the original timeline. Well, that's what Picard is going to be doing. I'm just trying to think if there's anything specific on my Star Trek bucket list that I'd like to see in this, but I don't know that there is in particular. It's just going to be great to see him back again. There's so much that goes on in that trailer that it just it looks like it's going to be a pretty intense series. We don't really know how many episodes they're making yet. Hopefully it's not too long. Seems like the kind of thing that would fit like an 8 to 10 episode format better than like a 22. So not like a classic TNG 22 series, 12 of which will be on the holodeck. <laughs> no, I sincerely <laughs> hope we don't. I know there are people out there that would like to see a Dixon Hill episode, but... um would prefer him to stay away from the holodeck if if they can if there's a specific story that's dragging him back into the action then i would hope that there isn't time to break it up and go ah i know that the universe is about to come to an end but let's go for the let's go for a holodeck episode so that would be the picard trailer would be my my number one thing that came out of aha number one thing that came out of uh, comic con as well the arrow trailer was also pretty interesting as well there's lots of new costumes to see there so he's got a very season one inspired new costume old Stephen Amell. There's an interesting new costume for the Black Canary or Black Siren as well. Lots of news about actors directing episodes as well. So you've got um, Katie Cassidy is going to be directing an episode of Arrow and her on-screen sister Katie Locks is going to be doing an episode of um, Legends of Tomorrow as well and uh, Melissa Benoist directing an episode of Supergirl. Only one that's not doing anything is a uh, well, actually, I was going to say the only one not doing anything is Grant, but that's not fair because Danielle Panabaker Killer Frost directs as well. So she's doing an episode of Flash. You've essentially got everyone on one of the series directing an episode, which is quite good. That's good. I'm quite interested about what's come out with all the Crisis stuff. Ooh, yes. Actually, that's a very good point. So who did we get confirmed for Crisis? We've got Burt Ward is going to be in Batwoman. Plenty of rumours on that one. So... Uh, the obvious one would be that maybe during Batwoman we get to see another Earth or another Gotham whereby Batman has been killed and Dick Grayson has just grown old and is sort of an old Robin. There's a weird rumour that they might bring him back as a, as he might actually just be in it and that he might be like Commissioner Gordon or Alfred, um, which would be really weird to see. I don't know that I could quite see Burt Ward as Alfred. Why? You'd be a bit like Jiminy Jillikers. He's Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> exactly. I, don't, I just don't think it would quite work somehow. Uh, 
So we've got him confirmed. Who else? There's plenty of rumours. So there's loads of rumours that Linda Carter will be suiting up as Wonder Woman in some respect. Maybe she'll be like Queen of Themyscira in some other alternate Earth. Who else we got? I'm forgetting who else we had confirmed now. Um, uh, um, Superman? Ah, uh, yes, of course. Uh, Brandon Routh is going to be suiting back up as Superman. So it was a really great moment uh, at the Arrow panel where they brought Brandon Routh out on stage and talked about the fact that he would be back as Superman but he can't wear his own costume because Warner Brothers, once they've put them away in the vault, don't like to get them out and let the actors wear them again. And it's currently on the set of DC Daily. So he ripped his shirt open and showed off the Kingdom Come Alex Ross Superman. So that's going to be the inspiration for him. So we've got at least two Supermen back with quite strong rumours that Tom Welling will be appearing, which would make it three, and Dean Cain, which would make it four. All the Supermen. Also, plenty of rumours that Warner Brothers are worrying about the budget because they want to bring someone, or if not someone, stock footage from the movies in. So maybe you will get to see five Supermen and Henry Cavill will also appear. Surely he would just wave his fee just for the, the sheer fat, the, the excitement of it all. I don't know. It depends. It, so, so supposedly the rumour is that they want, to, they want to bring the movie universe into the continuity and make it all part of the same multiverse whether that be through stock footage or being able to film something new, but it's whether they can afford something new or not. You can just imagine sort of Supergirl and Batwoman in the middle of a world's finest fight when suddenly some sort of... I'm going to do an Avengers Endgame style thing here. I'm visualising a portal opens in the background and... Uh, a spinny flame opens up. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a Doctor Strange. Uh, and Gal Gadot comes jumping out, sword and shield in hand and to join the fight. Would be quite mind-blowing. Gal Gadot and Linda Carter running out at the same time together. Ooh. Maybe not running. I don't know that Linda Carter can run. Um, but that would just be... If they wanted to one-up Endgame and do it on a small screen, then that's one way to do it. You had plenty of complaints from people that said that Avengers or Marvel's biggest movie didn't include its TV series. So for DC to take its TV series and include all of its movie universe as well. Michael Keaton just steps out in a bat suit. Or Michael Keaton as old Batman with someone new as Terry McGuinness. We've had a lot of rumours. There's been a lot of oh. chat about old, oh. old Batman just, Keaton. Or the, the hairs on my arms have just stood on end at the thought of that happening. Can you imagine? It'd be very exciting. It would be very exciting. Or that would mean travelling in time as well as travelling in universes, though. So that might be a little bit. That might be a step too far. Well, if you're jumping a universe, what's the difference between jumping a couple of years as well? If uh, if you've got any theories, or if there's anybody that you would like to see, then get in touch and let us know because we'd love to know what you're anticipating for this crossover when it eventually happens. So there's going to be three episodes that air in December, which my guess would be Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, maybe, or will be Arrow. It's going to be some kind of combination of Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, and Batwoman because they're the four that are going to air from October onwards, and then Legends starts afterwards. But my bet would be Flash, Arrow, Supergirl before Christmas, and Batwoman, Legends afterwards. Legends' first episode is the crossover episode as well. That's oh, okay. confirmed. It's not 100% confirmed that Arrow ends with it, but that's basically where Arrow will end as well. Part of me wonders whether that will be the second to last episode. The penultimate. Your favourite word. And they'll use one episode to wrap up Arrow afterwards. It would seem a shame to wrap up Arrow in the middle of a crossover and not give the rest of the cast chance to say goodbye, in some respect. Well, Felicity's not going to be there anyway, so... Felicity who? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> um, yeah. Of course, 
Uh, my other most anticipated would be the Birds of Prey reunion that we've all been waiting for since well, 2001. She, she is in the new Batwoman. Yes, Rachel Scarston is in Batwoman, so all they need to do is bring back uh, Helena Burton. Oh, not Bertinelli, this version. Helena Wayne, or Helena Kyle, and uh, and Barbara Gordon, and we're all set. Ashley Scott and Dina Meyer. Can remember their names without having to look. Uh, they could reunite them, which we know they're all still friends because they do panel appearances together at conventions. Who else would you like to see up here? Um, I think it would be quite nice just to see them embed it all into the universe. So I'd quite like to see maybe some of the some of the gang from DC Universe coming over as well. Maybe getting a wee ah uh, yes, a wee flash of the Titans or well, so there or are Doom rumors. Patrol. There's a rumor that two characters from Titans are set to appear, but there's no there's no talk about which two that might be. Um, Nightwing swooping to save uh, to save Batwoman. Well, not save Batwoman, but work with her. Or maybe Bart Ward and he's in a disco Nightwing outfit. <laughs> you might need to work out of it to fit into a disco or at least have it on display <laughs> yeah uh, but Doom Patrol throw in as well although they would never get away with Cliff Steele on uh, on network TV no I suppose you could bring in Beast Boy then that covers both Titans and Doom Patrol yeah that's true you could do that couldn't you um, I doubt we'll see Swamp Thing well you never know but it will Constantine he'll fit in everywhere so he, well, he just fits in everywhere anyway doesn't he um so plenty to think about on that front. Uh, anything else that you can think of off the top of your head from uh, from San Diego Comic Con that you wanted to uh, to mention? I didn't see it. To be honest, I didn't see a lot of comic book news come out of it this year. No, oh, there was. It was there. I mean, they announced lots of stuff last year that we still haven't seen yet. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm forgetting the entire announcement of Marvel Phase Four. Oh, I'm massively <laughs> underwhelmed. <laughs> can you tell that we are predominantly DC fans? <laughs> uh, so you were asleep. I stayed up. Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't on purpose stay up. I tried to sleep, didn't sleep. Then realised what time it was in America um, and saw that Nicola from We Have a Hulk was still awake. So we then just sort of chatted our way through the panel whilst trying to keep up with it on Twitter. We did at one point have somebody that was um, was streaming it live on Facebook, um, which was going quite well. And up until you heard the like, hey, 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 put that phone down, and this guy. They weren't northern, obviously. A northern security guard in California. Yeah, and the guy's like, "I'm not recording. I'm not. I'm not recording." And then you just heard like this smack, and then the camera went black, and you could hear them arguing whilst the phone was obviously lying on the floor, having been knocked out of his hand. And then the uh, the live stream went dead. Uh, but I would agree. I'm a little bit underwhelmed. Um, it's going to be a very experimental phase, I think. I don't even remember what was in the phase. So, so this one's very weird because it is half movies and half the TV series that are going to be on Disney Plus. Oh, yeah. So you've got movies like The Eternals that's um, going to have Angelina Jolie in it and uh, the guy from Game of Thrones, Richard Madden. Uh, you've got Shang-Chi, which is um, going to be the origin story of the Mandarin with the ten rings that he wears, which are his like source of power. Like the actual Mandarin or the, the Mandarin? No, the actual Mandarin. They've cast somebody that is you know, of Asian descent for the role and they are actually doing the real Mandarin this time. You also had the announcement of, uh, I really don't want to say it, but Thor Love and Thunder, which ah. sounds like a porno, uh, and Doctor Strange in the Madness of the Multiverse. Multiverse of Madness, which again just sounds horrific to me. Uh, I really want Doctor Strange too because I enjoyed Doctor Strange, I just don't like the title. They've gone for very 80s sounding titles for Thor and Doctor Strange and the artwork all looks like 80s like metal band 
album artwork. It does, doesn't it? You did also get so the TV shows that they announced were the What If animated series, which is going to tell different stories, and has got a whole load of people back to do Elseworld stories about the MCU, including Haley Atwell. Woo! Peggy's back. Um, what else we get? We got One Division. I was about to say Wakanda Division. Uh, one Division, which is the the story about Wonder and Vision. Even which, though he's dead. Well, he said that himself. So Paul Bettany was there and said, "I don't really know how I'm in this because it's set after Endgame and I'm dead." Uh, and that. This is the controversial thing. The, that, the story of that series ties directly into her appearance in Doctor Strange 2. So she's co-starring in um, Multi- Madness of, Multiverse of Madness. I can never tell which way around it goes. Uh, and that ties in, which means you kind of need to be watching the show to get the full extent of what's going on. You also got the Loki series and the Hawkeye series as well. And then the one announcement that actually was quite exciting, which was Blade. So Mashallah Ali playing Blade. Wesley Snipes, bye-bye. New Blade. Uh, but that's more of a phase five thing. I think the thing, none of the movies themselves are disappointing. A lot of them I don't really know very much about. And it's obviously quite an experimental phase for them while they try and figure out what they do next. So there was no announcement of like Guardians 3 or um, Spider-Man 3 or uh, Black Panther 2. None, none of that was in there or Captain Marvel 2, uh, Captain Stonyface. But um, they didn't really announce anything that we didn't already... Oh, Black Widow was obviously in there as well. Um Who's also dead. I know, but that's a flashback. That's fine. That is in context. Uh, but they didn't announce anything that we didn't already know, just things that they hadn't publicly acknowledged. So we knew that Black Widow was filming, even though they'd never publicly acknowledged it. We knew that they were casting for um, The Eternals. Again, they just hadn't acknowledged it. Plenty of rumours about Shang-Chi. Plenty of rumours about Taika Waititi coming back to do uh, Thor 4, having done Thor 3. So... Aside from confirming that and giving it a title, the only real things that we didn't know about from the movies were Doctor Strange and Blade, and all of those Disney Plus series we already knew about, but again, hadn't been formally discussed or announced. So really, we just got a couple of hours worth of confirmation of things that we sort of already knew, which was... I mean, it's exciting for Marvel fans, because it does mean that they're branching out and doing something new, which is good, but I think for them to make a triumphant return to Hall H, it was a little bit underwhelming in terms of not really bringing anything that people weren't expecting do you think they're saving some stuff for the disney expo d23 is this month they've said that they've got more to announce there as feige walked off stage he said oh i haven't had time to talk about mutants or the fantastic four interesting that he chose to say mutants and not x-men a lot i mean we could just be reading into it but a lot of people are reading into the fact that he very purposefully said mutants not x-men we haven't had time to talk about the mutants or fantastic four because there's a lot of talk. Uh, one of their high-level execs has said that she doesn't like the term X-Men. She thinks it's very sexist. So there's some talk of whether X-Men will still be the title. Well, as Jennifer Lawrence quite clearly said, the women save the men around there. Well, it's true. The women do all of the saving. So we'll just have to wait and see, really, what happens with that one. But yes, yeah, sorry, as I was saying before I got a bit distracted by the fact I remembered Marvel, there wasn't a lot of comic book news that I saw that came out of the whole event, which is a bit sad, really. But that is so often the case when there's quite a lot that goes on in the TV and movie world, I suppose. But we're still waiting on three Jokers. I was about to say that. I was literally about to say that. So we were in that room with Jeff Johns when he announced it last year, and we're, we're still waiting for it. Um, what else are we still waiting on? I don't know. He announced Shazam. That's out. That's well off and running. He was talking about Doomsday Clock. That's wrapped up now. Um, 
I can't think. I don't think there's anything else. Oh, well, we're still waiting on three jokers. We're still waiting on three jokers, yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that's because they're trying to get it right. So we've not got a lot to talk about movie-wise this week. Um, I went to see uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last night, which was pretty cool. I didn't get a plus one for that one, so I'm sorry I didn't get to take you with me. Um, that's fine. <laughs> I uh, I went all by, all by myself uh, to that one. I didn't even have my, my hulks by my side. Um but it was my first time going to the Odeon in Leicester Square since it's been refurbed and it's really nice in there. Uh, only problem was the, the reclining seat was a little bit too comfortable so I did nod off for about five minutes quite early on in the film and then had to unrecline my seat so that I made sure I was awake for the rest of it. It's out in cinemas here on the 14th of August. Um, it's already out in America so there's no review embargo or anything. And uh, it tells the story of a faded television actor and his stunt double who strive to achieve fame and success in the film industry during the final years of Hollywood's golden age in 1969. So it's got Leonardo DiCaprio as Rick Dalton, Brad Pitt as Cliff Booth, Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate, uh, Emile Hirsch as Jay Sebring, Margaret Qualley as Pussycat, Timothy Oliphant as James Stacey, uh, and there's a whole long list of actors, including a whole bunch of people that you'll recognise from Tarantino movies. But I won't talk about it too much, just because Martin hasn't seen it, and he might actually quite like to. But have a little listen to the trailer. I'm Rick Dalton. It's my pleasure, Mr. Schwartz. Call me Marvin. Put it there. That's your son? No, that's my stunt double, Cliff Booth. Last night, we watched a Rick Dalton double feature. <laughs> All the shooting. <laughs> I love that stuff, you know, with the killing. A lot of killing. Anybody order fried sauerkraut? No, I'm a stuntman. Look at me. So you still direct, huh? Still here. You can do anything you want to him. I hired you to be an actor, Rick. Not a TV cowboy. You're better than that. Line. Cut! Embarrass yourself like that in front of all those goddamn people. All right, what's the matter, partner? It's official, old buddy. Well, it has been. Here I am, flat on my ass. Who, who I got living next door to me? I'm Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. You're in this? That's me. I play Miss Carlson, the klutz. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie's gonna dig you. And that gospel group telling you In this town, I can all change like that. You're Rick fucking Dalton. Don't you forget it.
So I did actually really enjoy this film. Um, it's been a, I can't remember the last Tarantino movie I saw at the cinema. It might actually be Kill Bill 2. <laughs> um, I've kind of slightly fallen by the wayside when it comes to his movies in recent years. I don't think I've even seen Inglorious Bastards. Well, I've never uh, seen Kill Bill 2. <laughs> your copy of Kill Bill 2 is still in the cellophane. That's how criminal that is. Uh, it's weird. It's actually very grown up for him, I think. It's very, uh, it's very tame in terms of the violence for the first couple of acts. It's only in Act 3 that it gets quite violent. It's definitely got a controversial ending, though. It's something that I've seen quite a lot of reviewers talk about. Because the story of like Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt's characters is more fictionalised, where um, Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate is more of a actual take on historical events, and she was murdered by the, the followers of Charles Manson, who do appear in the film. But it doesn't quite play out as it as it does in history. Uh, I won't spoil it because it's something that you need to kind of see to believe it yourself. But there is there's some interesting Tarantino esque comedy in the way that events end up playing out. But definitely well worth a watch if you get a chance to go see it when it comes out. We'll probably talk a bit more about it later on because I think I think I'd like to sit you down and make you watch it and see what your opinion of it is. It'd be nice for us to talk about a non comic book movie as well. Ooh. Steady on. <laughs> um, so we'll maybe pick that one up a bit later on. I've got... Ooh, we're going to Warner Brothers next week to see Hush. So we have actually watched Batman Hush, which is available now on uh, on digital platforms and comes out on, um, on DVD and Blu-ray in a couple of weeks. We are going to Warner Brothers next week to see a screening of it, so we're going to save chatting about it until we've, uh, until we've seen it on the big screen. But that's another interesting one that kind of takes a couple of liberties with the, uh, with the source material, but mm-hmm. I think does it for... I think it does it for good reason, um, but again, we'll save that one for a, for a later time. And then I'm going to see Asterix next week, which is just a bit random. Um, for any of you that grew up in the sort of 80s and 90s, you might remember Asterix and Obelisk books. I presume they're still around these days. Uh, I know there's been a couple of random films over the years as well. Wasn't there a live action film at one point? Thanks, so. I'm not a massive fan of Asterix. It's a property of France, so I think quite a lot of it is French produced and comes from from that neck of the woods anyway. So I don't know if it's something that ends up being particularly well um, promoted outside its home kind of region. But uh, one of the PR companies that we've worked with in the past got in touch and said, would you like to come along and see a screening of this new CGI animated Asterix movie? So I'm going to go see that on Monday. So I'm going in with an open mind. I enjoyed the books very much as a kid, so we'll we'll see what it's like. Uh, but I'll be telling you about that one at a later date as well. All of which leads us to something that we've been meaning to talk about for a couple of weeks, but we just haven't had time, which is Stranger Things Season 3. You know our format by now, so before we uh, before we chat about it, have a little listen to, uh, to a clip. At least someone's happy I'm home. It's a dream. You're dreaming.
We're not kids anymore. I mean, what did you think? We're just gonna sit in my basement all day? Play games for the rest of our lives? This can still be your home. children are you friends with? Right, so, season three of Stranger Things. What did you think of this? Because I know you weren't the biggest fan of season two. Yeah, it was much better than season two. I don't actually dislike season two. I rewatched the whole thing from start to finish recently. Um, the whole of, like, every episode up to season three. Um, and I felt like season two, when you actually genuinely binge watch it rather than do kind of an episode every few days makes a lot more sense and has a little bit more oomph to it when you watch it that way yeah I mean there was nothing wrong with series 2 I think because series 1 was so good it was such a high bar to to follow up on but series 3 just sort of knocks out of the park for me anyway oh no I absolutely completely agree I think it just turned everything up to like an 11 Aha! <laughs> Eleven! Get it! I didn't even plan that. Um, some really good new characters in this season. Uh, some There's still some random moments. I have to admit, uh, I'm going to presume that most of you have watched it, but there is a spoiler warning. The, uh, the never-ending story moment in the last episode threw me slightly. That was slightly cringy. It was definitely cringy, um, but to begin with, I just, I was a bit like, hang on, hang on, hang on, you're totally ruining the dramatic flow of this being quite a sort of apocalyptic event here. Uh, but then, I don't know, there's just something about it that sort of grabs you and makes you... Uh, it's very endearing. Yes. Almost frustratingly so, I might add. I, I did just like watching The NeverEnding Story. I think you'd be very hard-pressed to find anyone that didn't really like watching it, to be honest. I've never seen the third one, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Overall, I think this season just had a much more solid story as well. The introduction of the mole gave them somewhere new to go to, which was interesting. Shifting the focus from um, from Will as well, so that Will wasn't just, again, the, like, the victim of the Upside Down was actually really quite helpful to the story as well, rather than just going around in the same cycle again. Yeah, I was worried that it was going to be a bit samey, like, okay, how many times can we go to the Upside Down? How many times can you open up that weird gateway thing? Which we didn't actually. So we didn't, apart from seeing Billy in there very briefly, we didn't actually go 
in there at all particularly this season no thank god it was all very much Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, so yeah, it was very much Invasion of the Body Snatchers. The scenes with the blobby thing chasing Nancy around the hospital in, I think it was episode 5 or 6, where I thought were excellent as well, when you when it really started to pull together the storyline. Maybe it was, you could say maybe it was a little bit slow to get going at the beginning, but one thing I like about each season so far is that it takes an episode or so to just resettle you in, particularly as time has actually passed between seasons. I think it's quite helpful to give it a bit of time to, to settle back in again of course I loved season 2 because the first episode had um, had a bit of Danny Elfman in there as well oh uh, yeah what were your highlight moments of season 3 um, I think it was all very good I think it's quite nice to see them all sort of develop and as we move through the 80s so we're getting different aspects of it now I'm almost born at this point in history I'm a mere 3 weeks off being born when this season ends. So we're up to about 85 now, aren't we? Yep. I think my only thing is, and they did this in season two as well, was they split them up a little bit and they don't, you didn't really see, in fact, I don't think you saw everyone together. You saw them together in episode one and then you don't really see them together again until the very end, which I think is a shame. It's because they're growing up now and, you know, people drift apart when they get a bit older. At least in this series, they played that more. I don't think they played that in series two. They just had them separated by the story, whereas this time I think it had a a bit more reason to. So we had the, the sort of the girlfriend, yeah. and the the politics of the male female relationship. A lot of focus being put on that scene where Will and um, Mike have an argument about the fact that they've got girlfriends, and uh, Mike says to him, "You know, you don't even like girls." And apparently, he lingers, looking at Mike a little bit too long. So there's a lot of theories there that Will is in fact in love with Mike, which would be. Not a brave subject to tackle now, but I suppose a brave subject to tackle in the 80s. Yeah. Indeed. Although, to be fair, you had um, the new character played by Maya Hawke, uh, whose name I can't remember as well, Robin. My memory is terrible. Who was an excellent addition to the cast. I thought she was really good. She's in um, she's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well. Oh, yeah. She Very plays one of Charles Manson's followers. Very handy that she can speak Russian as well. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh but I just loved the dynamic between her and Steve. It was good to see Steve play off against somebody other than Dustin because that can get a little bit samey to see the two of them, particularly given the age gap. It gets a little bit unbelievable that somebody of his age would spend that time, that like that length of time hanging out with somebody five, six years younger than him. So it was good to see him have somebody his own age. And I really liked the scene in the in the toilet towards the end when the drugs were sort of wearing off them and he kind of confesses that he has a bit of a crush on her and she confesses that she doesn't. Yeah, that was quite nice. So that whole scene with them just being a bit off it was quite funny. Yeah, it was. What did you think of uh, the sort of Hopper and um, Joyce dynamic? I feel it was slightly inevitable that they were going to try and pair them off. Yeah, I mean, it was nice. It was quite good, but Joyce is just, bless her wee soul. She's not got much luck with men, does she? She just doesn't have a, a bit of luck when it comes to the men department, does she? Do you... Okay, so now we're into the major spoiler territory. Uh, do you think he's dead? No, I think it's too obvious. Yeah. Especially at the, that end credit scene as well. But then do you think he is the person that they referred to? Well, I don't know, because you see them being, what... You see some of the scientists being zapped and vaporised, but yeah. some of them you didn't. Yeah. So are we saying that some got vaporised and some got teleported or sucked into the underneath and spat out somewhere else? The underneath? Where's that? Or well, the upside down, whatever <laughs> it's called. 
Somewhere at the bottom. You've gone underneath. Oh no. I'd, yeah. Both things feel too obvious. It feels too obvious that he may have died. And it feels too obvious that he would be the person that they referred to. So I don't think it's as straightforward as we think it is. And he's such a big character as well. I don't think they would get rid of him. I don't think they would get rid of him either. And let's face it, he's not going to go back to Hellboy 2, is he? <laughs> no. Um, but I also think it's too obvious that that would be him in that cell. That they would show him die, I say, with air quotes. Um, only to then show somebody in Russia say, Ah, look, we have an American. Or maybe he did run down the... The ladder. I think that he is somewhere, possibly upside down, but I don't think he's in that cell in Russia. And my, underneath. my yes, my theory would be that the person in the cell in Russia is the the guy that ran the um science experiments in season one. You know, the guy that was in the Dark Knight Rises, scientist man, white hair, oh, kept putting eleven yeah. in the tank. Yeah. We saw him getting pounced on by the um. Uh, Demigorg. That's the one. Uh, in season one, but again, you didn't see his body. Likewise, you didn't see Bob's body, so I know some people think that Bob might be in there, but unless... Or Samwise. Unless the Russians walked in the exact minute that the demi-dogs were pounced on Bob, I don't think Bob survived. There was too many... Too many demi-dogs in the building at them. Yeah. I, I, think he's, I think he's a goner. Interestingly, they haven't officially announced season four, but they've talked about the fact that they're starting production on season four in October. <laughs> so I think it's safe to say that they'll make more. I kind of hope that this might be the last season, though. Yeah, it would make sense for this to be the end, because you've gone from season one where it's just the town to season two where it was. I say just the town, just Will, just the gang, to season two it being um, the gang widening a little bit to season three it taking the whole of the town and starting to encompass Russia. To it now being global in season four, I don't, I don't think you could feasibly continue to make it and keep it serious if a group of like fourteen-year-olds from Hawkins were suddenly saving like the universe from an alternate dimension. There comes a point where the story becomes too big for them. We're almost there. Yeah, that's what I think anyway. But we've not seen number one yet either. No, I don't know if that's an important point of the story or not. So I'm reading the. Um, Stranger Things 6 series which is all about number 6 and we've seen uh, I think we've seen 9 and 10 or 8 and 9 uh, and obviously we haven't seen 11 in the comic book we've seen 5 but we haven't num number number 1 has not been discussed as yet feels like that might be somebody that's important we shall wait and see so in case you haven't watched it, Stranger Things series 1, 2 and 3 are all available on Netflix. Now, you can also, I think, buy season 1 and 2 on DVD and Blu-ray, but it's one of those things where I don't know why you would when it's already on streaming. Yeah, just, just stream it. Then the thing I miss about streaming is that you don't necessarily get bonus content, and we know how much I like a making of documentary. This is very true. So I thought we would also quickly just talk about The Boys on Amazon Prime, which you haven't seen all of yet. But it came out on Friday of last week, which was my birthday. Woo! Um, and is an excellent series. Uh, I'm going to play a little clip of it first, and then we'll pass over some of our thoughts on the first half of the season. People love superheroes. They swoop out of the sky and save the day. 
people love that cozy feeling. Like superheroes give them. to Robin's family. She just stepped in the middle of the street. I, I couldn't. She was a half step off the fucking curb. Oh, now, come on, Huey, just uh, don't get upset. Soups lose hundreds of people each year. It's a collateral damage. It's fucking diabolical. They're all like that? All of them. Yeah, pardon my French, fuck those fuckers. I've got the boys together. No. Jonas. To do what? Spank the bastards. Yes. For Robin. I'm in. Lacing the shoes, I'm on the move. I got so much to prove. It's suicide to go after the soups. We can use help stuffing them. Excuse me. I'm sorry, are, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm just having a bad day. It's a work thing. I'm supposed to be this hero idol symbol, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing. She could help us. She's a soup, just on the rest of them. You're wrong about her. Just remember who your friends and who your enemies are. They just declared war. can't do this. You don't have the fight. You never have. This kid is full of surprises. Well, well, well. It's not, not what it looks like. I thought we had an understanding. I know you're trying to be tough, but we're superheroes. Who are you? Boys stars Carl Urban as Billy Butcher, Jack Quaid as Huey Campbell, Anthony Starr as Homelander, Erin Moriarty as Starlight, Dominique McElliott as Queen Maeve, Jesse T. Usher as A-Train, Laz Alonso as Mother's Milk, Chase Crawford as The Deep, Toma Capon as Frenchie, Karen Fukuhara, who you might know from uh, Suicide Squad, as The Female, Nathan Mitchell as Black Noir, Elizabeth Shue, who is excellent as Madeline Stillwell, Colby Minifee, ooh, good surname, uh, Colby Minifee, 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 as Ashley, Jennifer Esposito as Agent Susan Rayner, Simon Pegg as Huey's dad, Sean Benson as Ezekiel, and Christian Keyes as Nathan. So this is based on the uh, Garth Ennis comic book of the same name, which I have to admit I didn't realise existed before I knew of this show, so feel free to slap me on the wrist. And uh, it's about a group of vigilantes who set out to take down corrupt superheroes who abuse their superpowers. So I've seen the whole season, uh, and I gave it an 8 out of 10 in my review, which you can read on the website now, but I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on that first half that we watched. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting take on a very classic story. It is. And it's interesting to find out that the comic book was published by DC for six issues before um, they kind of decided that it wasn't right for them. But 
not in a way that they then cancelled it in a way that they actually just gave the rights even to those six issues back to the back to ennis and said to him you know go find the right home for it because actually this isn't the right home for it that's not something you hear about happening very often no not many comic publishers would do such a thing no very nice dc <laughs> yes very nice um but you're right it's it's very everyone i think reflects a member of the justice league interestingly so you know homelander is superman queen mave is wonder woman a train is flash uh the deep is aquaman um there is a batman-esque character but he's not particularly very important in series one although i do love the fact that he is a classically trained pianist <laughs> yeah i mean like i said so it's really interesting to see that in the public eye these are you know these are the superheroes that are doing are being superhero like but actually behind the scenes it's all about instagram likes and pr sponsorship and actually they're not really interested in saving people they're all about the the pr and the publicity it is it's really it's a very interesting take on it and uh madeline stillwell who's played by elizabeth shoe very it's very lex luther like in a way in the way that she runs her business but it's also interesting to see how manipulative she is and how her character it is almost the villain of the piece by being the person who runs the heroes who are also the villains of the piece there isn't really an actual hero you could almost look as Huey as the hero but even he does some stuff that's fairly deplorable yeah so even the, the vigilantes who are trying to take down the heroes are almost as, just as bad as the heroes in the way that they do it it's very darkly comedic in that respect yeah I quite like it you've got so much more to see in the in the back half of the season as well I think I've seen most of it. How many am I missing? Four or five. Oh, quite a lot then. Yeah. I feel like I'd watched most of it. So you saw up to episode four with the plane crash. Uh, so there's a particular... Oh, hang on. I'm going to remember to do it. Spoiler alert. Uh, there's a particular scene in, in the fourth episode with a plane crash that has Queen Maeve and Homelander that was quite a turning point in the series i think the pilot is very well paced it's an excellent pilot episode and episodes two and three are quite slow after that and then it picks up the pace in episode four and from there it kind of snowballs right through to the end but there's a lot more that happens after that it's very interesting to just see how unlikable they can make these characters whilst keeping them watchable i think the the plane scene was about i was like oh god they went there yeah very much so and that's one of the things that really intrigues me about it is how they can make everyone unlikable but watchable even when you think about I mean Huey is completely watchable because he's just a bit hapless but even Carl Urban's character is is not a nice guy there are qualities to him but there are qualities to many of the characters that you could almost find likeable if they weren't so up their own asses, as it were yeah that's um, a nice way to put it <laughs> We'll sit you down to watch the second half as quickly as we can so that we can talk about the back half later on and see what you thought of the season as a whole. But if you want to read my review, it's up on the website now. And uh, season one of The Boys, which is uh, eight episodes, is available now on Amazon Prime. So go check that one out and let us know what you think about it. It seems to be uh, quite a big hit with uh, with people on social media, so we'd love to know what your thoughts are as always. If you do have an opinion that you'd like to share with us, don't forget you can find me at Neil Vag, or you can get in touch with Martin, who is at BoyWonder1989, or you can just contact us via the usual one, which is on the website um, at GetYourComicCon.
So as I said at the beginning, Martin's not feeling his best this week, so we're giving him a week off from talking about comic books. But I'm going to talk to you about Sean Murphy and Matt Hollingsworth's Batman Curse of the White Knight book one, which came out through DC Black Label uh, last week. And this is the sequel to last year's uh, Batman White Knight, which followed a story where uh, Jack Napier and the Joker are almost two different personalities, and Napier becomes Gotham's White Knight, and actually Batman almost becomes the villain of the piece. So this new series uh, is actually following the Joker again, but centers more on the story of Azrael and how he factors in to uh, to the kind of the Batman storyline. So what we see in issue one uh, kicks off with a really interesting flashback, uh, which is in the building that will become Arkham Asylum in the future, and it's a fight between an ancestor of Bruce Wayne's along with one of the uh, one of the Valley family, and. It kind of lays the groundwork for what will eventually become the the kind of the legend of Azrael with the, with the sword that gets buried in in deep into the Arkham Manor, and then obviously we jump into the present day and we get to see a little bit more of what the Joker is doing, and this issue as a whole kind of lays that groundwork of actually what is Joker's plan, what's his manipulation this time round. There is a bit of Batman in there, but not as much as you maybe would expect, just because there's so much groundwork that needs to be laid. It's a very interesting bit of setup for the story. Uh, I'm intrigued to see what it wants to do with the origin of Azrael and how that will play out. If you're a fan of DC Comics, then I'm sure you will know his character from the, the Nightfall arc. After Bane has broken Batman's back, John Paul Valley takes over as Batman, and there's that kind of Azrael Batman moment. And he kind of is then a character that lurks in the background a lot and has some religious connotations, but also there's a lot of mythic kind of twists to his character equally if you play the arkham asylum games you'll have seen him in there he's quite a mythic figure that appears on rooftops um with his flaming sword and has side missions for batman to take part in we don't get to see too much of that in this one as yet this very much focuses on just introducing his character and setting the scene for what's to come in the in the next few issues some very interesting joker stuff that goes on in here particularly with the way he manipulates his way out of arkham it's going to be interesting to see how he continues to manipulate the story all the way through. What Sean Murphy did in the first series of, of, of White Knight was to very interestingly play upon what people's idea of the Joker is and uh, his kind of origin, maybe more from the the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton Batman era with the, with the Jack Napier name, trying to make him more of a, I guess, more of a human-esque character. This time around, it seems we're getting much more of a pure Joker. There's more, uh, there's more of that kind of maniacal side of his personality that we get to see this time around. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out over the next few issues. There's a couple of little scenes for Batman to play alongside Nightwing and Batgirl, who are part of the GCPD. There's some interesting stuff that goes on there in terms of Batman's relationship with Gordon and the way it plays out in this Elseworlds version of Gotham City. There's plenty of there's plenty of intrigue and mystery in there, and the artwork is just. I mean, if you've seen the series from last year, then you know that the artwork was absolutely superb, and this is absolutely more of the same here. Azrael looks stunning. Joker's costume is is pretty cool, actually. I've seen. I'm sure I've already seen a statue of this available in uh, in Forbidden Planet, so there's plenty of merch out there to go with it because it is just. It's a very original take on the character, and equally, Batman's uh, Batman Nightwing and Batgirl's costumes are all pretty interesting. There's some great scenes in the Batcave, some little nods to uh, to other versions of Batman, particularly in the Batmobiles that are in there. 
there's also a really sad moment to do with uh, to do with Alfred, which I won't spoil just in case you've not read the last series. But there's some there's some great emotional sides to the story as well as just the the pure kind of action and mythicness of the whole thing. So if you're interested in picking up this book, I would suggest you go and read uh, Batman White Knight from last year first, just to get an idea of uh, of what Sean Murphy is doing with this world. But Batman Curse of the White Knight is available uh, now where all good comic books are sold. Okay, so sticking with the Batman theme, let's have a chat about Pennyworth Episode 1. We were very lucky and we got to see this just before it was actually on TV. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised. But I tell you what, I'll play you a clip before we talk about it. The army. I'll have no more to do with it now. I want to be my own man. I started up a security firm. My apologies. Thursday night's always a bit naughty. We can meet Saturday. It's going to be a nice day. Further forward of you? No. I saw the weather forecast. I didn't get your name. Pennyworth. Thomas Wayne. I have security needs. I recently discovered a criminal conspiracy. They missed. They can't afford to have any loose ends. when you've got Thomas Wayne. You're a dancer, are you? I love dancing, me. Mr. Pennyworth, if they kill me, they have to kill you. There will be no exchange. If things go pear-shaped, I'll do my best to keep you alive. This great nation of ours is at war with itself. We will take back this country. So coup d'etat, as a rule, if you have to use French words for something, I don't like it. I don't like violence. And I don't like you, mate. Find a position in a good household. Do right, you're a butler before you're 40. So Pennyworth comes from the minds of Bruno Heller and Danny Cannon, who both created um, Gotham, obviously, as this is a... It's kind of a spin-off, but they've said it's not directly... This isn't maybe necessarily the Alfred that we saw in Gotham as a young man, but it is in the same sort of universe. So Pennyworth stars Jack Bannon as Alfred Pennyworth, Ben Aldridge as Thomas Wayne... Paloma Faith as Bet Sykes, Emma Corrin as Esme, and Jason Fleming as Lord Harwood. What were your thoughts on this one? I was quite surprised, actually. Me too. I don't know. It sounds bad to say that because we enjoyed Gotham. Well, I, I personally very much enjoyed Gotham. I know you didn't enjoy it quite as much as I did. Um, but I don't know what I was expecting, but this was not what I was expecting. When you said to me, pull on my face, I was like, oh my god, this is going to be awful. Really? Yeah. You don't really think of her as an actress, do you? No, I suppose no, you don't. Um, but a very convincing accent. Yeah. Very Coronation Street. It was very Corrie. 
but actually, I was pleasantly surprised. I was pleasantly surprised by all the cast. I mean, you do feel a bit like uh, Jack Brennan is doing an impression of Michael Caine. A bit. Hello, Gavna. Well, it's all about how's your father? Bloody hell. <laughs> well, I said that this reminded me of the Avengers, and by that I don't mean the 2012 version. I mean the 1960s TV version, because it had that sort of classic British spy series feel to it. Just very contemporary in terms of how it was made with a dash of cockneys yeah so it's got a very interesting story to it as well so basically alfred just kind of exists he's he's been in world war one um and comes home and kind of tries to start a, a security company and he's working as a, as a doorman in a club when he meets thomas wayne and just kind of gets embroiled in a bit of a story around thomas wayne and also around uh, the character of esme who is his kind of love interest and he just sort of gets dragged into this weird mystery spy story that ends up with him meeting the Queen and uh, uncovering a kind of conspiracy that seems to almost go through the entire of British government. Yeah, it was very bizarre, and it's not. If you're, hoping... I said World War One. It's surely World War Two. Otherwise, he would be very old. <laughs> well, we don't know really because it's sort of it's old timey set slash modern set. It's very cool in that same way that Gotham doesn't really give away what time period it's set in because the technology is a mix of kind of old and new. Pennyworth is very much, it's London, but it's a alternate history London whereby we still do things like put criminals in public stocks, even though it's supposedly probably more set in maybe the 60s it's definitely not the 70s could be the 50s i suppose it's somewhere it's somewhere kind of 40s to 60s um but there's still stuff like there's still a lot of factories that look like they're very much coal powered and it's not i don't know it's very interesting the way it's crafted a world that's not quite of the period that you would expect it to be and is that everything's just slightly different? So we do get Thomas Wayne, but he's not a doctor. No, he's not. He is uh, almost a sort of he's CIA, FBI type agent. He's an accountant. Was he really an accountant, though? He's a forensic accountant. That's the one, yeah. Um, aha, that's the one, innit? Gavna. Sorry, I've gone all Alfred. I was really impressed by the production overall as well. I mean, the fact that that's obviously... I mean, we know it was shot at Warner Brothers in Leeston. It was shot around the UK. Um, but some of those sets are really well augmented with sort of visual effects to make it that time period type piece rather than it looking like they've just kind of hushed people out of a modern London street and filmed it while they're all wearing oldie-wildy costumes. It's really well made and really well produced overall, which was very impressive. Um, it felt very British in comparison to Gotham as well. It felt very British. It didn't... If you sat someone down and said, here's an episode of Gotham, and then sat them down and said, oh, actually, do you know what? You might like this show Pennyworth as well. It's kind of about a similar character. I don't know that anyone, unless they were paying attention to read the credits and to see you know, like Bruno Heller's name in there, would put two and two together and say that those two series were related. No, you're probably right. What was your standout moment? Just the fact that it was insane. The whole thing was just crazy alternate universe from start to finish. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to pick a. There wasn't. I wouldn't. There wasn't like. There wasn't a standout moment for me. It felt very Panzer to me. Yeah. But the fact that it was the storyline itself, 
had me very intrigued as to where they were going with it and what was going to happen next. Yeah, it probably is more that it's intriguing overall and that, that there was a moment where I was like, oh, yes. did like, I really like the theme tune. That was cool. Uh, some some interesting opening credits, which I thought were sort of fit the tone of the show quite well. Um, I liked... I mean, very intrigued by the villain. Very regal in the way he wafted around in his cape uh, to then kind of fall slightly at the end but then also have a connection to the Prime Minister. And the Queen. And the Queen. <laughs> it's just... Mm. You, it, you did very well for your country, Bidwell. Yeah. But uh, don't tell anyone. Yeah. But it was just... I guess it was just a bit batshit nuts. Yeah. Which is probably what you would say about Gotham. But it's a different type. It's like Gotham on British speed. Yeah. Uh, but in a good way. Yeah. Episodes two and three are actually available to watch now as well, so we're going to have to sit down at some point and watch both of those as well, just to see where it goes from there. I don't actually know how many episodes they're making in the season. I have a feeling that it's ten. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. For a show that you could quite easily have said was completely unnecessary and no one needed to make and no one wanted to watch, it's very watchable and quite enjoyable. It is, actually, yeah. I'll give you that. And if you, you've almost got to park everything you know about Alfred because it's just it's not going to go anywhere near any of that and that's quite clear yeah and if you can get over that if you can stop screaming at the TV that it's not canon it's not continuity I don't see them particularly throwing in any Batman characters either which is quite nice I think this is very much going to stand on its own two feet yeah so just think of it as it's a weird British spy drama when they have very similar names (laughs) to the Batman family alright then Thank you very much. Was there anything you didn't particularly like about it? I'm not a massive fan of the Cockney accents, but I do understand why they have to have them. Yes. What about the northern accent of Bet Sykes then? The northern one. She sounds a bit like um. Very measly. Yes. Like I'm watching an episode of Cock Nation Street. Yes. Uh, anybody that's not in the UK might not get that reference long-running daytime soap opera yeah I mean, I, was, I mean for what it was it all worked well as an entity yeah it's a great introduction to this world it's going to take a couple of more episodes to really get to grips with exactly what the mission statement is but certainly well made well acted um, and quite well written as well so I think I think a, a definite pleasant surprise I haven't actually written a review yet but I think I'd probably give it a 7 out of 10 yeah, I'll probably go for maybe a six. Yeah. Just because it's still, it is a bit piloty and it did get a bit lost in the middle. It was So the pilot episode does run for an hour and 12 minutes, so it's a little bit over long. I don't know how long the rest of the episodes will, will run for. Um, but it, did, it was a little bit over long, definitely. We don't know where it's going to air in the UK yet. It's not completely confirmed. Uh, in America, it airs on Sunday nights on Epics. So you can watch it now. I've never heard of Epics. No, I mean, neither. It's a cable network. Certainly on the map now. Well, definitely. That just leaves us the last few minutes to tell you about London Film and Comic Con that we went to last weekend. Uh, very lucky to be invited along as press for the weekend, which was very, very nice. And a big thank you to them. I have sent them a lovely thank you to say thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Like I used the word thank you too much there. Uh, but it's always nice to get invited along to cover something like that. 
we actually I hadn't been particularly very well beforehand nice bout of tonsillitis that you now have yes um, thank you so uh, we'll not be sending you a thank you letter <laughs> we didn't really set ourselves up to go and record anything while we were there because actually I was just feeling a bit under the weather and the Friday was my birthday as well so I kind of had other things on my mind um but all in all, uh, a good little weekend. Some really great guests for them to have, like Jason Momoa, William Shatner. Um, I've now forgot his name, but the guy Robert f- Picardo. Yes, Robert Picardo. Such a high profile. I was guest. actually going to say the guy that was from Harry Potter. Uh, Star oh, Trek. Oh, Tom Felton. Yes, and but there's, again, that's not the one I'm going for. Um, uh, oh, his his dad. dad that was also in Star Trek Discovery. Because uh, my thing with LFCC is that quite often. Oh, of course, he was. There you go. It's the hair. It's the hair, yes. Uh, quite often with LFCC, it has, because it's the longer running of kind of the UK conventions, particularly in London, you have that impression that they just wheel out old Doctor Who people and old Star Wars people. And it does have that aspect to it. But actually, in the last few years, they've managed to get some really, really big name guests as well. Um, I didn't get to see William Shatner, which was really sad. No, but you did get to see Stormtrooper number three. <laughs> yes, I did get to see Stormtrooper number three. Um so a lot of Harry Potter people, which I guess is quite standard now as well, because it was obviously filmed here and it's mainly British cast. But I was also, it was also nice to see that they've um, they've widened some of the convention floor as well. So you always have your retro gaming, that's always there, and you always have your toy stores and your kind of clothing stores and stuff like that. But Universal were there doing quite a lot for Hobbs and Shaw with their uh, they had. So we didn't actually do it, but what that what that stand did was it filmed you and put you into the trailer. Oh, okay. So it would do like a, it was almost like a TV spot version of the trailer, that it would do like clips from the film, and then it would be it would be like starring Dwayne Johnson, starring Jason Statham, Vanessa Kirby, and you, and then you could type your name in, and that would come up on screen, and it would just be you doing some sort of power pose or something for the camera. Um, that's how the Geek of Steel did it. It was quite good fun. So I kind of wish I'd done that actually. It would have been a good laugh. But that's I think that convention is starting to grow and become something a little bit more different than just being uh, an autograph hunter's kind of wet dream. That was very much the perspective of it when you used to look at it in comparison to MCM. That MCM is where you go and you exhibit the, the the product that you're trying to sell, the movie that you're trying to get people to go to, and that LFCC was very much where you, your more classic autograph hunters go to get memorabilia and to get autographs. And actually, they're becoming something slightly different now, and they're learning from their American counterparts. Yeah, they're getting the bigger guests, and it's becoming a, a bigger deal now. It's more of an event, and now you have it running in spring, summer, and winter as well. So we have another one to to go to in. November, I was about to say October. Uh, November. Who was the favourite person that you saw? Had to be the the holographic doctor, right? Yeah, it was quite exciting. I don't know why though. Well, would you like to tell people the rant that you had about the holographic doctor? No, because I think it, it kind of it takes me to a new level of trekkiness. So I'm going to tell people at home what you did. Uh, in case you've not been to one of these events before, so when when the when the celebrity guests are at their table, they tend to have their name and a banner above their head. Uh, so, you know, there's a big sign, Robert Picardo played the Doctor in Star Trek Voyager. But in the picture, he was wearing a uh, black and red uniform rather than uh, science blue. He was wearing command red. And I believe the exact words that came out of your mouth were, uh, he only wore that in one episode? He may have worn it in two, but, I mean, realistically, in the whole seven years, he was always in blue. Yes. Rant over. I wonder if he mentioned it. I don't. I, I think he'd be happy to be there. <laughs> uh, well, maybe you could have. You could have asked him. I offered to buy you an autograph, and you said no. Um, you could have asked him whether he was going to be in Discovery, not Discovery. Sorry, uh, Picard. No, he would be a bit. Cute. He hasn't aged a day though. 
Yeah, he just looks very. He looks very good for his age. He had, does not look like he is aged particularly, unlike the kid from Ready Player One. Oh yeah, he grew up. He he grew up quite a lot. Quite quickly um, as well. Yes, <laughs> considering that film's only like a couple of years ago, <laughs> he grew up quite fast. One day, I will actually pay for an autograph or a photo with somebody at one of these things, rather than just walk past their table and go, "Hello." I just wouldn't know what to say to them. Oh, we saw Rick Gonzalez and Kirk Esvido. I don't, I don't actually know how you pronounce that surname. Uh, from Arrow, or from, in my case, from Fringe as well for him. Ricardo um, Diaz! Yes. The scary man. <laughs> the scary man, yes. And we bumped into Jim and uh, and Rob from Earth9 DC Podcast, which was really nice. <laughs> you were like, oh, there's Rob behind you. And uh, then I think it was probably pushing an hour and a half by the time we stopped chatting, because it was the first time I'd met Jim. And apparently we had quite a lot to say about everything DC. Yeah, nice guys. Nice to meet people that you hear, but may not necessarily see. True, actually. Yeah, they're not people that we see very often, so that was really nice. But they are coming to Batman Hush in a couple of weeks, so that will be nice. And they uh, recommended that we watch the Death of Superman Lives documentary, which turned out to be really interesting, but that's a story for another day. Um, And we saw Paul from DC World, which is always nice. I've not seen him in a little while, actually. I can't think of what I saw him at last. Um... Oh, yes, Ken Brightburn. It's only he was there for that one, which was cool. That's the last time I saw him. God, that feels like ages ago. Oh, I know what my highlight was. My highlight had to be the Adam West Batmobile replica. If I could just jump in that thing, I would. There if I could a... jump in it and drive away, that would be good. There was a sign that says, please do not do that. So. And I can't drive, so I wouldn't have gone drive, very far. So. <laughs> but I would have, if I could. It'd be like the world's worst getaway. <laughs> I wouldn't. Car, go! <laughs> <laughs> Which button makes it go forwards? <laughs> uh, I love seeing that car, though. I think we've seen... That's, that tends to be there quite often, that replica. Because I'm sure I've... I've had my picture taken there with that car and with the boat as well. Yeah, it's always there. And the DeLorean. That's always there. Yeah, that's true. Um, and E.T.'s bike. Although I doubt that was the real bike, to be honest. That's probably a bit rusty now. I didn't buy anything, which is really unusual. No, you handled a lot of things, though. With an intent to buy it, didn't you? Didn't complete. It's true. I picked up a lot. Of, I picked up a lot of Funko. I need to get that Batman the animated series Funko of Batman. You're looking oh. confused to me. Compuzzled. You're looking compuzzled. You picked. You picked up a lot of Funko. <laughs> I always do. That was a Swamp Thing Funko though. That was cool. Yes, it was. I also got to see uh, my uh, my. I'm, I'm going to say my friends. Uh, from from the Woodland Creatures comic that we interviewed a few podcasts ago. I say a few podcasts ago. God, it was all the way back in May at MCM. Um, so it was really nice because it was the first time I'd seen them since uh, since their comic book hit their goal on Kickstarter, uh, which was really exciting. So it was nice to chat to them about how things have gone since then. They've had loads of the artwork come back from the artist that's working on the comic, and it's all looking really exciting and really cool. So uh, I hope they had a good weekend. I meant to go back and catch them on the Sunday, but I just completely ran out of time. Um, but we'll hopefully see them again soon, probably at the next convention. I imagine MCM in October. So a big thank you again to Showmasters for inviting us along. It's it's it. I might sound cliche, but it's a huge thank you every time we get any invite to anything, be it screening, um, I don't know, pop up event, convention, whatever it is. It's always really, really nice, and we're really, really grateful for it. And I, which is why I go out of my way to send a thank you note to them afterwards as well, just for that. And. Uh, I'll have a little photo gallery once I've managed to download the photos from my camera. That'll probably come up sometime in the next week or so. I think I snapped a lot of photos of cues <laughs> and Funko. 
that wraps us up for this week. Say goodbye, Martin. Goodbye, Martin. <laughs> Let's hope that in a couple of weeks' time you're feeling a bit better because maybe I'll challenge you to talk about two comic books next time as I covered this week by myself. Perhaps I'll do a classic and a, and a contemporary. All right, you've just thrown yourself down a challenge there. So next time, you are going to tell us about both a classic and a contemporary comic book. Uh, I personally would love to hear your thoughts on a bit of uh, George Perez's Teen Titans. But, you know, I'll, I'll leave it up to you. <laughs> so when you next hear from us in a couple of weeks, it'll be our 20th podcast. Ooh, milestone. Uh, we'll tell you all about the last few episodes of Swamp Thing, which will be no more by the time you hear from us next. Um, we need to catch up on Young Justice. We're still like four or five episodes behind. We'll have a bit more Pennyworth to tell you about. And we will pick up a couple of comic books. And I'll tell you all about the movies that we've been to see. We'll have a good old chat about Batman Hush. So until next time. Bye. Bye.